Welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about What's Opera Doc, the 1957 Warner Brothers cartoon directed by the classic famous Chuck Jones. I think Chuck Jones might be the first director we've done two films, so to speak, for. I think we have. Um, Yeah. We'll get to it when I was watching this, but the artistry of Chuck Jones cannot go underappreciated. Like the guys truly, truly. And so I, I, I don't know what compelled me to do this. I thought that I, I searched my memory because I had suggested this and I don't, I can't remember exactly why. I think I might've just seen Looney Tunes on HBO max. And I was just like, Oh, Looney Tunes. And I started thinking about my own personal history with it. And like, to, to, to share that personal history, it's I saw a lot of Looney Tunes growing up. My parents or my dad particularly showed me a lot of Looney Tunes. Um, my mom liked Looney Tunes, too. And from a very, very young age. And I remember my parents thought that some Looney Tunes stuff like Roadrunner and uh, Wile E. Coyote was too violent or like too <laughs> like like so they wouldn't let me see it until I was like five or something, five or six. Um. But we had a VHS copy of the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie, which was from like 1979. It's like a compilation of a bunch of Roadrunner cartoons and a bunch of Looney Tunes cartoons. And What's Opera Doc was on it. That was probably the first time I ever saw it. And I watched that VHS over and over and over again. And I think my dad, either on a separate VHS or the same one, recorded additional episodes that would air on TV, uh, nice. additional cartoons. And, you know, this is a this is like a seven minute cartoon and they're all probably about six to seven minutes in length. And this, as I'll get into is like, I'm we're, we're calling it like a short film, I guess for the purposes of this episode, because it is, and it was kind of acknowledged as such by like the U S library of Congress and such. So when you hear Looney Tunes cartoon, you're probably thinking of something much more bombastic and all over the place than this is. Yeah, um, this is still bombastic, but it has a focus and an artistry to it that definitely elevates it from other Looney Tunes cartoons, which are also great. But you'll kind of talk about how important this movie was considered. Yeah, and I'm going to save a little bit of my history for a later discussion because it will be relevant to something that I want to bring up. Um, but yeah. what is your history with this and Looney Tunes in general? So uh, when I rewatched this for this episode, it it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't think I've seen this one before. Uh, But then once I sat down, I was like, oh, yes. It's like, oh, you know, every word. (laughs) I I didn't know every word, but I I, like had this sudden like flood of memories of seeing it as a little kid. Um, Again, I my family was like a Disney family. So I grew up watching like Little Mermaid and Alice in Wonderland and Snow White and things like that. Um, We didn't have as much Looney Tunes. But I had friends that were really into Looney Tunes and I we did watch Looney Tunes like at daycare and stuff. So I know that I saw this along with a lot of Roadrunner cartoons with Wile E. Coyote. So uh, whoever was looking after me did not care uh, that I was <laughs> old enough for it. But um, I always kind of liked the Looney Tunes as a little kid as like little kid entertainment. And then when I got a little bit older, I fell off them because I thought they were, you know, for really little kids. But as an adult, when you come back to Looney Tunes, you can tell how clearly it is also for adults. And you look at the stuff Chuck Jones is doing. Um, I mean, even look at The Grinch, which he directed, right, as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, even look at that. It's just like the Looney Tunes. There's so much for adults as well as kids. So 
Um, the few Looney Tunes things or Chuck Jones things we've done for the show uh, has made me really appreciate his artistry. Uh, and yeah, I think I uh, wandered far afield from the original question. But no, uh, no, this is all yeah, good. No, I, uh, I I love Looney Tunes now more so as an adult that I appreciate it more. Um, but I definitely saw this when I was a kid. Yeah. And, and I wonder if so, like, I mean, I, I grew up with Disney also. I was like way more into Looney Tunes. It was just so much like goofier. And I kind of I liked that. Um, and I also which made me kind of like Six Flags a lot because they had a whole Warner Brothers theme. Right. Yeah. I and it's funny then that like I was more into Looney Tunes than I was Disney, even though I was very much into Disney also. And I also have never been to Disney World and I've been to Six Flags a bunch. Granted, Six Flags is close to us and Disney World isn't. Disneyland isn't either. I, I've never been to either one of those places. And I I don't know. For some reason in my mind, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, it's just because I like Looney Tunes. Uh, I'm more of a Looney Tunes guy. But that's but now I wouldn't call myself a Looney Tunes guy over a Disney guy. I, I watch and rewatch Disney movies a lot more than I rewatch or watch anything Looney Tunes. Um, yeah. You would love Disney World. I think you should go. <sighs> maybe it's yeah. a separate conversation a whole episode about why i'm not really a big amusement park guy fair enough that is a good special episode because i love amusement <laughs> parks oh if only that counted as uh games we've been gaming and movies and tv shows we've been and watching theme parks we've been going <laughs> to <laughs> yeah um so i'll run through the development really quick or i'll try to there's actually kind of a lot to discuss here for only like a seven minute film um, but this cartoon is under the Merry Melodies banner, not the Looney Tunes name. They're basically interchangeable. I'm not going to go into which one is which. I do think the Merry Melodies had to have it, like a particular type of music in all of them. Or maybe there was just like, a particular theme song was different. Doesn't matter. Um, here we have just two characters. We got Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Uh, Bugs uh, is um, his speaking and singing voice is done by the inc- incomparable Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc, Blanc, Blanc. Blanc, I don't know. Uh, And Elmer Fudd, Arthur Q. Bryan, speaking and singing voice. And that's just them. It's just those two. Uh, Chuck Jones directed it. It was written by Michael Maltese, who was the one who came up with the idea to use bugs uh, in Valkyrie drag, riding a fat horse. He came up with the idea like years prior, like when he was working on some like World War Two ish cartoon. (laughs) Seems Uh, like far afield from that. Yeah. And despite the fact that this was seven minutes long, it required about six times as much work and expense as other six minute cartoons that Chuck Jones's team was producing at the time. So this was. Yeah, I, I think I understand why. If you look at the backgrounds and we'll get to the artistry of this again, but there's so much work going on. Um, in the backgrounds and in like minor details that I could absolutely see taking more time. Yeah. Also, old Looney Tunes, like they're great, but they do have a lot of animation shortcuts that yes. all, all cartoons use, not just Looney Tunes. Repeated backgrounds and yes. things like that and, and reused animation. But here we have not only just that, we, we have like a lot of different unique environments. We also yes. have lighting and like scenery changes in the sense that like Elmer Fudd's character or Elmer Fudd in this is like causing earthquakes and hurricanes and lightning and stuff. And so it's, there's a lot more going on visually packed into these seven minutes than in the usual Looney Tunes cartoon. This was released in theaters in July, 1957 and was received very well immediately. Uh, I'm want to talk a little bit more about its impact because, so I mentioned the U S library of Congress, they deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and it was also the first cartoon short to be inducted into the National Film Registry. I believe two other Chuck Jones cartoons have since. So 
some people have mistakenly or I think intentionally incorrectly called this cartoon Kill the Wabbit. I've never heard it as such, but if someone said Kill the Wabbit, I'd know immediately what that was from. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But the, it, this is the to, to me the most interesting part about this is it is often cited and written about as at least in like one entire generation's worth Gen X, but I also think it could also be applied equally to uh, millennials and anyone else whose parents show them this stuff. Um, is that is entire generation's worth of children's first exposure to opera and Wagner in particular and telling stories with music. And I, I was reading about that and by by extension, some people believe it's responsible for instilling a love of classical music and opera in children at a young age. And I think that it did exactly that for me. And my parents always loved opera and they would go to operas as long as I can remember. And my dad in particular loved Wagner. And I was shown, as we'll get into, like the, the a lot of this cartoon short borrows from the like four part Wagner opera, The Ring of the Nebulung. I'm, I'm Nibelung. Nibelung. Sorry, you you can correct me on any incorrect uh, German that I that I'm inevitably going to have. I saw like the the Metropolitan Opera or like some some like VHS tapes of that entire opera oh at a young God. age. It's like twelve hours long. It is, but yeah. I can tell you, like at times it was boring, and I'd watch it over, again and again as I was getting older. I. I it's fascinating. And this made me want to really go back and rewatch those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I think this was my first exposure to, to opera. And it's funny that I, I feel like I like have this whole cartoon memorized. and didn't realize it until I was watching it again. Yeah. I am. Um, I had a similar experience uh, with music and musical storytelling, but mine was Fantasia. Uh, mm-hmm. my Fantasia definitely got me into classical music and things like that, but I can absolutely see how this would have a similar effect. Um, I am somewhat familiar with the ring and the Nibelung. Um, when I was doing my student teaching, I had my student teaching mentor and several other teachers in the department were obsessed with the ring and the Nibelung. So I've read most of it. I have the Arthur Rackham, like artwork book of ring of the Nibelung. Ooh, um, it's, nice. I'm not surprised at all that your father is very into it. The <laughs> ring of the, well, the yeah. ring of the Nibelung directly inspired Lord of the Rings. Like there yep. are many Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings things that come directly from ring of the Nibelung. Sure but, is. That's Ring of the Nibelung Corner. Well, I have more Ring of the Nibelung Corner if you'll indulge me. Please. <laughs> uh, so the the whole premise of this is, you know, it's Elmer Fudd versus Bugs again. Um, w- within the theme of three different Wagner operas, primarily the Ring of the Nibelung, um, and within that, primarily the Valkyrie. Yes. Uh, and, the, and then the two others, uh, the Flying Dutchman and Tannhauser. I don't uh, know those two. I've heard of the Flying Dutchman. I haven't yes. heard of Tannhauser, but I, I couldn't tell you any part of that of this that's from those latter two. It's really just the Ring of the Nibelung stuff that I know. And I just want to do a quick, hopefully quick, Wagner Ring of the Nibelung corner. Um, this is where anyone who isn't familiar with it. This is also kind of like the, I guess, the chance that I would have to pitch people uh, seeking it out, even though it, yes, it is very long. And sometimes people um, find opera boring, but I would say if you don't want to watch the opera, I have the book, like the book <clears> version <throat> of it that has all the like dialogue and it's obviously not singing. Yeah, um, it's very readable and it reads like an epic poem. So something like the Odyssey, but it's much more readable. Um, that is also a good way to ingest it if you don't want to watch like hours and hours and hours of opera. It's 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 always bittersweet, though, I guess, because 
I've so I've been to a handful of operas in my life with my parents and with with my grandma and I I'm always it's so slow but the music is so beautiful it almost always makes it worth it despite the fact that it's just so slow yeah and so like I and then one of the reasons I would want to seek this back out is not even just for the story I mean the marriage of the story and the music but it's really the music this this Wagner opera is just astoundingly beautiful and. So the Ring of the Nibelung is based on Germanic and legend and North Norse mythology. It's, you know, it's got all the classic gods, magic, heroes. Um, and so it is really in quick summary, the quickest summary, it's like about gods and heroes and creatures such as dragons fighting over a magic ring that grants uh, power of the entire world. Um, and turns you invisible like and another turns- magical ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it crosses like three different generations of like people. I mean, it's a it's a long, long story. Um, it is separated into four operas, Das Rheingold, The Valkyrie, Siegfried, and Twilight of the Gods. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the German version of what Twilight of the Gods is. Um, it is so in short, I keep saying that, but uh, it is about a dwarf named Alberic who steals gold from these Rhine maidens and he from which he use, uses to forge the ring. Uh, the gods steal the ring from him, but then they give it to two giants in payment for building their home, Valhalla. Votan, the king of the gods, schemes for centuries to get the ring back, and his schemes kind of drive the majority of these operas. Yes. Uh, Votan's grandson, um, the mortal Siegfried, kills one of the giants, wins the ring, but is then killed by Alberic's son. And uh, there's a whole like bunch going on with Brunhilde, uh, who is Siegfried's lover, uh, and I think Wotan's daughter. Um, so uh, Wotan and, and Frida's daughter. Uh, she get she interplays in the story a lot, but I'm not going to go into how exactly. But she she ends up getting the ring, gives it back to the Rhine maidens, and then kills herself on Siegfried's funeral pyre. Uh, and the gods kind of burn and just die, and Valhalla crumbles. Yeah. And And that's in like 15 hours. Yeah. But the theme being that like humans inherit the earth, there's no more gods, there's only men. And, you know, this doesn't quite go into it with those themes. no no yeah but, all uh, of this this cartoon doesn't it doesn't touch on it at all doesn't just... touch on the supremacy of the human spirit <laughs> over the tyranny of the gods no i don't think it does yeah yeah exactly yeah. um so we open this cartoon with elmer fudd uh in his like Siegfried garb equipped with spear and magic helmet as he says uh like like there are like lightning storms and we see this like the the silhouette of this gigantic imposing looking figure uh against the mountains and it's kind of revealed that it is just a tiny little elmer fudd yes and i think in the actual story the helmet is what gives him invisibility or maybe the ring coupled with the helmet the helmet is called the tarn helm and and, and it also helps you turn to a dragon and lets you transport yourself it might just be the dragon and the transportation i forget if there's the visibility is the helmet or the ring or the, the helmet may be invisibility i just knew that there was uh jrr was like borrowing ideas oh for sure yeah um yeah uh or j jr jrr for some reason i was just like grr Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh so he kind of sneaks around uh he you know he does the be very quiet i'm hunting rabbits 
I'm going to let you do all the singing for this. I, I'm going to be tempted to. And he's, yeah. you know, he, he kind of liked the the motif from Ride of the Valkyries is playing. And he's uh, he finds bugs uh, and starts to spear him uh, in the hole. The Yohoto. And I like he's like floating in midair as he's, you know, in cartoon fashion as he's trying to stab bugs. And then bugs appears out another hole. And, you know, and then. You know, Elmer's doing the kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. I'm not going to do the whole thing, I promise. Uh, and Bugs, you know, starts running away. Elmer gives chase and he starts using, uh, you know, lightning to, to, you know, Bugs like chant, like mocks him a little bit. Uh, and then Elmer just kind of shows off and does some lightning. And then obviously, because this is a Bugs Money cartoon, Bugs shows up in drag. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love every time he does this. I love it, too, that his drag is just him wearing lipstick, a wig and a dress. And Elmer just has absolutely no idea that it's Bugs Bunny. It, he doesn't even like try to like cover his tail half the time. He doesn't. Drag. And it makes me think that Elmer Fudd has either ADHD or severe emotional problems <laughs> that he's ready to viciously murder this rabbit. And then immediately is like, actually, you know what? I kind of want to fuck this. <laughs> This hot Valkyrie lady who looks just like Bugs Bunny and is not even human. <laughs> yeah. But I'm into it. Yeah. It's also interesting how, like, you know, I forgot what I was watching. I don't know if it was the movie Babylon or it was something else, but it was like people, someone like the, the line was like, Hollywood's always been gay. <laughs> and it's I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like astounding how, like, and, and just horrible how, like, actors throughout history have been kind of persecuted for being gay and even to this day in a way like it's yeah it's like it's people like are like everything's acceptable but at the same time like why do we make such a fuss over people being gay and people being out like it's 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 exploitative when it comes to hollywood at least um but just bugs being in drag like I, i mean i'm sure there have been plenty of jokes made about like you know Tucker Carlson, why are you, are you so like transphobic or like homophobic, but like you're okay with like bugs and drag? I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's yeah, it's very strange and silly to me. And I wonder if even at the time uh, there was backlash against bugs being in drag. I don't know. And and, and maybe and I don't, I'm positive this wasn't the first time he was, but no. Just it's it's really interesting. I, I I should have looked more into that. Maybe maybe there's more to say. If we you know, we'll do Space Jam, he's not in Dragon that I think, but we'll do Space Jam. And, well, uh, here's the thing that gives me hope though, because uh, I guarantee you there probably was a backlash to Bugs wearing drag, but the fact that we don't even remember it or remember who those people were gives me hope that in the modern era, in 50 years, we'll look back and it'll be like we don't even remember those pieces of shit or <laughs> yeah. who are against all this stuff. We just yep. remember the good art. That that's a beautiful notion. I hope yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously Elmer is smitten. He doesn't know it's bugs, like you mentioned. Uh, and they start dancing to this short ballet. And I I do think that this is like some of the Flying Dutchman stuff. I'm I'm not familiar with um with this piece of music. Uh, it also might have been it might have been written. I know that the writer of this had to compose like lyrics for like another song, and maybe maybe this was it. Yeah, on the credits, I noticed that, um, what was it, uh, the guy's name, Maltese? Ma- Michael Maltese, yeah. Michael Maltese. It said lyrics by Michael Maltese. Okay. I, I think that that's, that that's probably 
it then. Um, and then their ballet kind of climaxes at the top of a very tall staircase. And as Elmer dips Bugs, Bugs's headdress falls off and falls down the stairs, revealing his bunny ears. Uh, and then the chase resumes. Yeah, all of a sudden he knows it's Bugs now. <laughs> yeah, uh, he snaps out of it. He really had that uh, post-nut clarity in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, this is not really a kid-friendly episode. No. Uh, if we, we've, we've ruined it, but... The, so, of our friends that have kids, they're like, the one we could have them listen to is probably the Bugs Bunny one. And it's like, Dad, what's post not clarity? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I wish I had it for you, kid. <laughs> oh, 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 man, oh. you really just sealed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Bugs runs off. Elmer causes this like lightning and hurricane storm that tears apart the mountains and apparently kills Bugs in the process. Oh, so sad. And this is even though Bugs is revealed to be still alive. This is one of the very few cartoons. I think maybe one of three. I think I read that that uh, Elmer technically beats Bugs, which is interesting. I'd um, like to who who's the statistician there. We should also look into the fact that Elmer, again, emotional problems. He gets what he wants, which is to viciously murder this sentient life form. Yeah. And then immediately regrets it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Elmer is like sad. Yeah. He like grabs Bugs' body and he carries it to Valhalla. And Bugs, who is just playing dead, turns to the camera, breaks the fourth wall and says, well, what did you expect in an opera? A happy ending? Some of them do have happy endings. A yeah. lot of them do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is the final appearance of Elmer Fudd in a Chuck Jones cartoon. I don't know why, um, but yeah. Um, I heard there was a lot of Me Too backlash against him. <laughs> Babs really reported him, and oh, no. he had to go away for a while. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, no. Um. Yeah, but that was, uh, I want to say Kill the Wabbit. No, that was... <laughs> yeah. um, well, there you go. That was What's Opera, Doc. Yeah, I, yeah. and I, I think basically... Everything about this works. I mean, it's a short cartoon. It's like, you know, would I call this like a perfect thing? I don't know. I, I guess not, but I don't, I have nothing wrong with it. It's just, a, it's, just, it's seven minutes of fun. Yeah, it is seven minutes of fun. I will also say what works. We brought this up briefly earlier, but the backgrounds, the lighting, you talked about it a little bit, but it again, can't be understated. Like there is artistry going on here. Um, there is like real beautiful work in this silly Bugs Bunny cartoon. And it doesn't surprise me that this took six times longer to animate than the average Bugs Bunny cartoon of the time. For sure. And it doesn't surprise me that this was inducted into, you know, halls of fame and, you know, important preservations and things like that. Yeah. Um, the music is beautiful. Chuck Jones, the animation is incredible, as you would expect um the voices are great uh actually you were doing a great job earlier but the singing voices for like singing and cartoon voices not bad yeah yeah um yeah there's really like nothing about this that doesn't work it's it is seven minutes of fun and um if you're not into opera you're a big piece of shit so. <laughs> and to anybody who enjoys this cartoon and isn't as familiar with looney tunes i highly recommend checking out and it's on hbo max this is not on hbo max we had to watch this on uh vimeo or vimeo or whatever vimeo it's called whatever. vimeo yeah. um the uh, there's another short that is on hbo max called the rabbit of seville which is another one that kind of helped like with my love for like music and stuff and that you know the barber of seville uh another um bugs and and uh elmer romp that would is a nice double feature with this one Nice. I like that. I, uh, I'm sure I've seen that one too, but it doesn't ring a bell, but I'm sure once I, once I start watching it, um, I've probably seen it. Does anything not work to you about this? 
no, not really. I wish it was yeah. longer, I guess. Really. No, I mean, I actually think the length is kind of perfect. I mean, for what we get, um, I think if any one part were extended, I'd be like, okay, like it might be dragging a little bit, but I think the short runtime really mm-hmm. helps it. Yeah, I could do like a double the length one though. Like I was, I rewatched a couple other Bugs Bunny cartoons last night with Miranda and some of them I'm like, ah, these antics are good. I mean, seven minutes is good. Let's be over with this bit. But this bit is just so beautiful. Yeah. And the music is so good that I could see it go longer. Yeah, I could see that. They could incorporate more things from like the Ring of the Nibelung and yeah, yeah. more Easter eggs yeah. like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a video game. Uh, what did you think of? <laughs> I just, I can only think of like, just give me Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 4 or whatever, mm. which is like, it would, this is the theme, the art. Okay. Theme. I like that. I think there were three Bugs Bunny and Crazy Castle. I would love to do that for the episode or for, for an episode, but I just, it's just the same puzzles like over and over and over again. It's kind of hard and might be a little boring to do. Did you ever play yeah. those games? I didn't, but I'd be curious to just try one at least. Oh, they're, they're so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that. I have been playing a lot of theater rhythm Final Fantasy, so which is a rhythm oh, game. Oh, perfect. That'd I was thinking of this, yeah, as a rhythm game. Um, you'd be watching and you'd be lining up with the music and the singing, like certain notes, things like that. Um, and just something like short and easy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh these other categories, um, I don't know. I I can't even answer the question when I want to live in the world of the movie. Sure. I, sure. No, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no though, because <laughs> Valhalla like burns to the ground, I guess. And how do you know that? I don't want I don't want Elmer Fudd with godlike powers. I definitely don't want that. <laughs> I just don't you would rather live in a world where like we haven't done the evil dead yet, but like you'd rather live in a, a world where like deadites exist because you'd be like, then God exists. And yeah. you don't want to live into in a cartoon where Elmer <laughs> Fudd chases Bugs Bunny. Absolutely not, no. Yeah, I don't understand you. No, no. Uh, I found no fan fiction for this. I didn't either. I, I mean, there's lots and lots of Looney Tunes fan fiction, um, especially for Babs. But let's not go there. Um, but I didn't find any specifically for this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it warrants fan fiction, though. You could do like a fun fan fiction, like go, again, going more into Ring of the Nibelung stuff with more Looney Tunes characters. I don't know who that would be for, but you could do it. Yeah, I I think so. I guess that's what mine would be. Like my fan fiction would be like, let's do Ring of the Nibelung, but let's do like a parody. Let's do a twelve hour parody, or just like have them put put them in a different like opera that's famous, like Magic Flute, yeah. or have them do like have them just do Fantasia, but like completely make fun of it. Yeah, I uh, Magic Flute is uh, one of the operas that I've seen in person. Oh, nice. Yeah, Magic Flute is good. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of um, like uh, masonry images in it, like Ooh. stone mason. Yeah. yeah. As a Freemason, do you? Or I'm sorry, you relate to that? No, but I did catch a lot of it <laughs> when I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, those Freemasons! What secrets are they keeping?" Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Was that what's Opera Doc? Yeah. That that was that was it. And we even got a Grinch reference without having to try. Yeah, we did. We didn't have to stretch. Yeah. Um, what else have I been doing? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about what we have. Been oh, doing. my gosh. Yeah. I, I got Resident Evil 4 remake on Friday and I'm like almost done with the game oh already. My God, that's a game that like exists on 17 different platforms. And I've definitely played it three times on various ones. It's great. 
it's it's really good. I'm not going to say it's better than the original. There are things about the original that I think like there there are silly things about it. There are things that are almost a little broken about it. Um, listen to our episode on the original yeah. uh, if you're interested. But it, it, this is a great compliment to it. It changes a lot. And I am almost 100% a fan of the changes. And that's not to say I like them as improvements. I just like the variation. It it, it does things differently. It, it's It's such a great like, hey, you can play this game and then go back and play the original and have two great experiences, not to play like two entirely different games, because a lot of a lot of it is the same, but they really um, subvert your expectations a lot. And as someone who's played the game a lot, I keep walking into a room being like, OK, I know the layout. No, I don't. They changed it a little bit. And, and, and I think that's to, it's almost all to excellent effect. And also a little bit of the pacing of the stories. It, it's really good. The castle part of the game was probably my 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 least favorite part of the original if you know i think the original is a near perfect game i love the castle part of this game oh really yeah huh it's it's been excellent my uh my dream is to because uh all the resident evil games on switch constantly go on sale so like mm-hmm. zero one there's one right now or five there's six. a capcom there, sale there is a capcom sale right now and my dream is like maybe i'll just get them all for 10 bucks a pop and play like zero one four five six on switch and yeah. then like jump back and do two three remake yeah. And then four and eight when I get a PS5. But I don't know. That's a it, lot. It's been great. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what you think about eight because eight definitely is inspired a lot by four. And I, I would say eight might be my second or third favorite. I'm I definitely want to play Resident Evil four, the original and the remake is like one game. I've been waiting. Yeah. Like PS5, once I get it, mm-hmm. it's going to be Dark Souls. It's going to be uh, RE8. It's going to be a couple other things. Yeah. So um i have been playing a lot of theater rhythm final fantasy um which is the rhythm game for switch where they do all the final fantasy music um and it has made me jump back into final fantasy 15 uh, a game that you, i never you previewed you were gonna do that last episode yeah so i have i started a new game and i'm remembering things that i like about it i'm also remembering things that i don't like about it uh but so far the pros outweigh the cons so i'm gonna keep keep at it um yeah. i think you could i think you could skip it though i think you could i'm going to <laughs> i know you are don't yeah. feel bad about it i think it. i mentioned in like a, a couple episodes ago is i was like i, I just want to play like 4 5 and 13 and then i'll help my itch will be scratched uh, yeah definitely play 4 5 well you played 6 uh yeah yeah 4 5 6 13 for sure yeah, yeah. um I also want to know, I, I I rewatched for the first time since the one film class I took in college, I re- uh, rewatched Yojimbo, the Akira okay. Kurosawa movie. Um, great movie. Uh, it is kind of like not that not that this like that this trope hasn't been done before, but like you kind of like the the samurai, the cowboy, the lone gunman or whatever, the, or like the lone like uh, who comes to like the town and like a town that's like in disarray and then saves the town. Um, Yojimbo was like the like one of the first instances of that in film um the man with no name trilogy um or the oh, first yeah. one i think fistful of dollars totally not uh, ripped it off without giving credit and then got Absolutely. sued by yeah. uh toho cinema um it, it's a great movie uh i i really really like it so yeah yeah oh and well, i've been rewatching bojack horseman Oh, okay. Um, I saw the first season of that. Never kept up with it, but I hear really good things. First season is great. Um, Worst season, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya.